Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Today we continue our sermon series on I Love My Church. We're going to talk about the harvest principle. How many know and believe that the word of God is fresh and alive? How many know that no matter how many times you read a scripture, it's alive each time you read it, and it's new, it's fresh? Today we continue our sermon series on I Love My Church. I want to challenge us to take God at his word and practice the harvest principle. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and our passage today will be verses 1 through 15. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving, for I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting in the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Notice the impact that the church of Corinth was having upon the region. Their ministry of giving impacted other churches. I believe that what you do today matters. Verse 3, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you are not ready after all that I told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Did you hear that? He'll provide all you need. You will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. To me, this is the aim of the principle of the harvest, of what God is developing in you, what God is developing in your life. A life of generosity. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Now open our hearts to receive. Give us ears that would hear. Give us a heart of understanding. 
God, we want to walk in obedience. We want the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us. May we leave this place today knowing that we've heard from the Lord and with a greater desire to follow you. And all of God's people said, Amen. I think one of the fascinating verses of this whole passage is found in verse 2. Paul opens up and he describes the, the believers this way. He says, I know how eager you are to help. And when you read this, you cannot help but picture their enthusiasm. The believers in Corinth to, to participate in the needs of the church of Jerusalem, they were eager to help and they were looking forward to being able to participate in this special offering for the saints at Jerusalem. Now what we learn from this phrase is this church had a different view of giving than the average person. These believers have undoubtedly tapped into a source that was bigger than themselves. And they had a different mindset, a new way of thinking on the subject of giving. I want to challenge you. Notice in your notes, giving is not an expense, it's an opportunity. I want you to see this principle that giving is not an expense, it is an opportunity that God is inviting you to. An opportunity because the Lord wants to do something in you. An opportunity for you to participate in the ministry of giving and the result is God's gonna develop a life of generosity in you. I love my church because GT sees giving as an opportunity. John Maxwell, author, pastor, leadership coach, tells a story of his then 14-year-old son that really illustrates a great, a great uh, example, his son Porter. And he says this, my 14-year-old my son Porter has a job this year. And he got his first official paycheck. And boy, was he so excited. He came home and showed me his paycheck. And then he marched right into the room where his mom was and said, you know, I've thought it over and I'm not sure that I can afford to tithe. John Maxwell writes, he says, he has more money in his hand than he's ever had before. And what happens? All of a sudden we say, I really need this money for something else. And he writes, out of the mouth of a 14-year-old boy, true to his human nature, comes this whole question, where do I put God? Is he first? Second, fifth, 23rd in my life. Where is God? See, I think the challenge with a lot of us is we view giving as an expense and not an opportunity. However, giving to the Lord and to his work is an opportunity for you to experience the faithfulness of God. 
And this seems to capture the heart of Paul's statement to the Corinthian church. I know how eager you are to help. It's as if they're lined up at the start line of a race. And they're just anticipating and waiting for the announcer to say, go. See, I love my church because it's like you are lined up. You are set and you are ready. You're just looking for the opportunity so you can see the faithfulness of God displayed in your life. The Apostle Paul knew. They looked at this idea of giving as an opportunity. And they were eager to do it because undoubtedly they had communicated the idea to him. Wow. This is a good question to ask. When it comes to giving, what idea do we communicate? Giving is an opportunity for me and you to participate in what God is doing and what he's accomplishing in our community and our world today. In your notes, we'll talk about three things. The first point, write this. I need you to see it. God wants to bless you. God is not angry with you. God is not upset with you. God desires to bless you. There are principles, there are laws, if you would, that he has established in his kingdom. And he blesses according to those laws. He blesses according to those principles. God desires to bless you, and he's looking for us to line up with his principles, with his word, so his blessings can flow in our life. I love my church because we teach and believe and practice the harvest principle. Say this with me. God desires to bless me. Say it. Let's say it again. God desires to bless me. You know, I'm all, always astounded that when we talk about harvest principle, we talk about giving, with some, immediately there's a wall that goes up. Don't be deceived by the trickery of the enemy. Allow the Lord to bring that wall down because God's got a blessing for you. God has a blessing for you. This is the importance of community. This is the importance of being involved in community. Because there's been so many abuses in our society. There's been so many times when people have been wronged. So many times when people say, give and then you'll get this and you'll get that and all this. And there's been so much extreme that we've allowed it to affect the way we approach God's word. Hear me. In community, you know trust. In community, you know life. In community, you see there's nothing hidden. There's nothing strange going on. God desires to bless you. And guess what? As your pastor, I want you to be blessed. 
as your pastor, I need you to be blessed. As your pastor, I'm looking for you to have all the blessings of the Lord. And as your shepherd, I'm trying to lead you beside some still waters. I'm trying to lead you into some green pastures because I know what God's going to do for you. I know how God's going to release a double portion in your life. I know how God will be generous in you and toward you. We've claimed 2019 as the year of God's generosity. And I believe his generosity is going to be poured out in your life. Can somebody give God praise? God desires to bless you. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The picture is the eyes of the Lord are searching and looking for people who are committed to the purposes and plans, principles of the kingdom of heaven. Write this under B. God stands ready. He stands ready and willing more than able to do through you what he has purposed. I love Ephesians 3, verse 20, but I love it out of the King James. I love how this translation, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Get this concept concerning your God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God desires to bless you. God wants to bless you. There are principles, there are laws that he has established. And he, through his word, is teaching you the law of the harvest. Because he knows, as he has ordained that law of the harvest, that if you walk according to that principle, then the, the harvest will apply to your life. The good, good blessings of the Lord will come your way. God desires to bless you. God wants to bless you. Which brings us to our second point. You belong to God. All things created belong to him. A, there's a valid reason. God has a valid reason for making that claim. Because he's created all things. You're created in the image of God. He not only made us, but he made us for himself. So I could say this and be correct. I have no other purpose for existing on earth than God's purpose. I can say I have no other purpose for existing except God's purpose because he created me. He's the potter. I'm the clay. I am here for his purpose. I can say and be accurate. My life has no independent value, nor does yours. Why? Because I belong to him. Isaiah 43 verse 21, God refers to us as 
the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. God formed you so that you can proclaim praise to his name. You can proclaim his glory, that the purposes and plans of God be seen in your life. Isaiah 60, verse 21, he says, they are the works of my hands for the display of my splendor. Hear me, you are the work of God's hand for the display of his glory. And as you and I walk in the principles of God, as you and I walk in the principles of the word of God, we realize that God desires to bless us. And we realize that we belong to him. So if I belong to him, then I need to walk in his purposes, in his plan. Write this under B, an additional claim. Let's talk about New Testament, an additional claim. As Christians, we know something else about God's claim on us. Something the law of God can never teach us. And that is that God has an additional claim on us besides his claim as our creator. He has an additional claim that he's our redeemer. He's redeemed you at a wonderful cost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in Corinth, in ancient Greece, there were some Christians who were forgetting that. So St. Paul reminded them, you are not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your life. Honor God with your body. Honor God with who you are. Hear me, church. I want to remind you that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And the price was the blood of the son of the living God. Yes, we belong to God. He has a rightful claim on each of us because he is the creator of all things. But there's an additional claim. He's not only your creator, but he's your redeemer. You are nothing without him, but with him, you are something. You are valuable and you've been redeemed, not with gold and silver, or perishable things, but Peter says you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. He redeemed you at a frightful cost. He redeemed you at a great cost. For God so loved the world that he gave. He redeemed you with the most precious thing he had, his son. God desires to bless you. Everything you have, everything I have, belongs to him. From virtue of being created in his image, he's the creator, he's the potter, I'm the clay. But go a little step further, New Testament, because he's your redeemer. Because he's purchased, he's bought you. And now you're free. You're free indeed. For whom the son makes free is free indeed. Which brings us to our third point. If I belong to God, 
or God wants to bless me, first of all, and I belong to God. The third thing, I had to have confidence in God to provide. We're talking about the harvest principle. I think a lot of times the reason that we don't practice the harvest principle in our life is because we have problems trusting God. You can have confidence in God to provide for you. I remind you God's word is true. You can take God at his word because you know his word is true. Spiritual principles about giving relate closely to how God chooses either to bless us or to withhold his blessing. If you and I want our wells to contain enough resources to function effectively in our world, then we must trust God and follow his teachings. And the word of God teaches that giving generously out of love for God will tap you into God's unseen river of blessing. How many want to tap into the unseen river of God's blessing, of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness? I'm here to tell you that God is your source, not your bank account. God is your source, not your abilities. God is your source, not your wisdom. God is your source. Can somebody give God praise? Later on, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And this verse is written, it is born out of experience. Listen to what Paul says. And this same God who takes care of me will provide all your needs. This same God, Paul, Paul says, this same God who provided for me. This same God who sustains me. This same God who meets my daily needs. This same God who supplies my needs. This same God who comes through for me. This same God that I've seen him raise the dead. This same God where I've seen uh, heal the blinded eyes. This same God who meets my needs will meet your needs, will care for you. Wow. Out of his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God's glorious riches have been given to us in who? Christ Jesus. Paul is writing, he's teaching by example. This same God who provided my needs will supply and take care of all your needs from his glorious riches. He's talking for a life of walking it out. Today, I believe if I asked many of you, has God been faithful? You would stand and testify, my God's been faithful. I've heard you tell stories of how when you didn't know where the next thing was gonna come, but then suddenly the Lord from the north and south, just caused it to happen. How the favor of God began to be poured out upon you because you walked in the principles of God's word, because you have experienced his abundant supply. You know and have confidence that God will supply the needs of others. Have confidence 
in God. Have confidence in his word. Let's talk about God's law of the harvest. See, I love my church because we seek to live according to biblical truth. The law of the harvest. Write this under B1. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, I submit to you that the subject of this whole this whole passage is generosity. The farmer who only plants a little bit of seed will get a small harvest, but he who is generous will get a generous harvest. God set the law of the seed in order at the beginning of time, and it still operates today. Your harvest is in direct proportion to what you plant, the seed. Church, that's just common sense. Talk to any farmer. The harvest is in direct proportion to the seed planted in the ground. As the seed is planted, taken out of the hand of the farmer and placed into the soil, the process begins. It germinates. It produces after its kind. However, one seed of wheat produces a harvest of wheat. And that's the principle, the law that God has put into action. Now, allow me to stop right here and say something. The hardest thing to do is to take the seed out of our hand and place it in the ground or soil. Why is that? Because as long as we have the seed, it's my seed. I own it. It belongs to me. You see the principle that God's trying to teach us? It's really not your seed. He gave you that seed. Oh, but that brokenness begins to say, it's mine. It's mine. It belongs to me. Why is it hard for us to let go of that seed? Because if we have it, we control it. Mm-mm-mm. How do we like to control things? Uh, and how do we like to control circumstances? And how do we like to control people. It's a part of your brokenness. It's a part of the old man. See, see, really the, what the, the law that God is trying to implement in your life is he's trying to teach you the heart of generosity. That the less you control, the more favor you're going to have. That the less you possess, the more you're going to have. Because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I've, oh, David said I was young, but now I'm my old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God is faithful to his word. Can somebody give him praise? <laughs> See, I love my church because you love the word of God and because you love for the word to challenge you. You love for your pastors to speak straight to you. 
See, the reason we have a hard time with this principle is because we like to possess the seed and hold on to the seed, control the seed. It's mine. But when you release the seed from our hand to God's hand, then he's empowered to fulfill his promises. Hear the words of Jesus. Luke 6, verse 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more and running over and poured into your lap. If you've been here a long time, you've heard this story, but excuse me, I want to tell it for the new folk. (laughs) My granddaddy was a farmer and he planted butter beans. You ever picked butter beans before? Butter bean bush is about that tall, and butter beans are flat, only about that long. Do you know how big a hamper of butter beans are? A hamper stands about that tall. See, in order for me to go see my other grandparent who liked to fish, and I want to go fishing, I had to go to my first grandparents who was the farmer who liked the farm, and I had to pick butter beans And so what I would do, I'd throw the butter beans in the hamper. And you know what he would do? He said, no, you can get more than that. I said, Pop Bud, listen, that hamper is full. He says, let me show you something, son. (laughs) He called us all George. (laughs) Let me show, show you something, George. He took that thing. He shook it. He hit it on the ground several times. He done like that. He hit it again. And what I thought was full was only halfway full now. He said, there's still room for more. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Just when you think you had enough, just when you think you got abundance, he'll shake it. He'll press it. And he'll overflow it. That's the goodness of God. That's the faithfulness of God. That's the harvest principle. Can somebody give God praise? Hallelujah. God desires to bless you. Get this. You belong to God. Everything you have is because of the goodness of God. And I know in our American culture, we like to talk about being self-made. Self-made millionaire. Today, self-made Billionaire. Nobody gave it to me. I worked for it. And thank God for the ethics of hard work. But who gave you the strength? Who gave you the wisdom? Who gave you the creative power to start that business? Who gave you favor and promotion? You say, oh, but I studied hard. I got this degree and that degree. Who gave the ability to go do those things? Listen, God has opened the door that no man can shut. And there's been some doors in your life that's been shut because God was looking to bless you even more than you can contain because he was shaking some things up. He was banging it on the ground because there was still room for what he wanted to do. That's the goodness of God. Mm. The harvest principle. 
It's hard for us because we like ownership. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You say, oh, I ain't going to give because I ain't cheerful. <laughs> Some of you read that and say, oh, I got a way out. <laughs> I ain't happy. Wasn't happy yesterday. I ain't going to be happy now. <laughs> There's a thing called praxis in counseling. In our modern society, we're so feeling driven. If I feel it, I'll do it. So we're driven by feelings. Praxis is the opposite. You commit to a behavior and the feeling will follow. Ooh, walk by faith, not by sight. Some of you are waiting till you feel like forgiving before you forgive. Ooh, go ahead and walk by faith and forgive. Walk in forgiveness and guess what? The God of generosity will pour a generous spirit of, of the feeling of forgiveness over you. You'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll be bound no more. Mm, real quick, you got to hurry. Notice how you're to give. There's three things. Write this. Individuality. Let each decide. God is speaking to each of us. Each one of us. God desires to bless each one of us. Each one of us belong to God. Write this. Liberality. Please decide how much to give. The context is generosity. The context is to be liberal. <laughs> we count. <laughs> you know what my brokenness does sometimes? <laughs> I'm going to leave my wallet home and not take it to church. <laughs> Because if I don't take it to church, then I ain't got to give it. <laughs> but guess what? Then we came up with text to give. <laughs> that preacher ain't right. <laughs> Can I tell you, God... Wants to bless you. <clears throat> Write this, the third thing. Not begrudgingly, but willingly. Musicians come. Not begrudgingly, but willingly. Why? The last fill in the blank explains it. Because God loves generosity. God loves generosity. Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, says, I know how eager you are to give. I see it. You've learned the principle. See, giving is not an expense. It's an opportunity for God to do a work in you. 
from the very earliest of age, that brokenness surfaced even in a little child. One of the first words our children learn is mine, 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 mine. They take it and they pull it close to them. God spends a lifetime teaching you if you'll let go, I'll give you more. It's about generosity, not about holding on. It's a law, it's a principle. I can't do anything about it. I didn't institute it, I didn't declare it, but the creator of the universe established it. He said, if you'll take that seed, you'll let go of it, you'll plant it. <laughs> that one seed will bring a harvest. All the time I'm working in you, developing a life of generosity. See, I believe if we learn this one principle, it's like a domino effect in the rest of our life. You say, well, pastor, I came today because I wanted a healing and I was expecting you to preach on healing today. I came to church today because I'm in a, I'm in a stronghold, so I expected you to preach about breakthrough. And here you are talking about generosity. Here you are talking about giving. It's a principle. As we line ourselves up with the Word of God, let me tell you what God does. God is so good that it's like a domino effect in our life. You begin to obey in this area, He'll give you victory over here. See, you're concentrating here, but God's working over here. Suddenly, that daughter's going to come home. Suddenly, that marriage is going to be restored. Suddenly, that curse is going to be lifted. And the blessings of God are going to flow. Why? Because he's a good, good father. Can somebody give him praise? Can somebody begin to worship? Can somebody begin to say, here I am, God. Here I am.